the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy and expensive and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. I think everybody, uh, so many of our clients just are happy to hear that there's a company that specializes in providing lines of credit to nonprofits. It's it's just really important for nonprofits to have a cash backup plan. And um, I'm happy to say that Financing Solutions really uh, does the, the right thing. So again, if you're interested, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Um, and our, our phone number is 862-207-4118. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Cynthia Woolbright from, Woolbright from the Woolbright Group. Cynthia founded the Woolbright Group in 2004 but prior spent many years working closely with educational institutions, healthcare systems, and many other not-for-profit organizations. She has spent a career advising on campaign assessments and feasibility studies, board governance, alumni engagement and development council, strategic planning, ongoing strategies for fundraising, I'm sorry, for raising philanthropic support and specific interests in women's philanthropy leadership and organizational development strategies, and other mission-driven matters. Cynthia, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you very much, Stephen. I'm pleased to be here. So um, I am uh, intrigued and excited because this topic that we're covering today is, is one of the more unique topics. And I think that any listener who's listening now is, is really going to get a lot out of this. Today's topic is Gender Matters, nonprofit fundraising research shows the impact of women's, women donors. So, uh, so to start off with, tell us a little bit about, you know, what this topic is, what we're going to cover today in this topic. Thank you, Stephen. I hope that we can cover a little bit of background about women donors because we've really had women donors back even in the 1800s forward that have made some very significant gifts that when I talk about them, people would know what they were. Um, and then there's a lot of facts, you know, from the IRS, from different or, you know, different government organizations that calculate these things. And so those are facts. And then what we, I think is really important is to look at what the research is, because it's really been a huge, I mean, particularly since the 19, 1990s, it's been a huge um, and going forward, uh, many research that's been done. And then finally, I'd like to talk a little bit about strategy. So what do you do? How do you best work with women? How do you best engage them in some of those kinds of things so that perhaps it will help those who might be listening, um, you know, along with things like best practices. So that's what I'm hoping that we can accomplish today. Good. Yeah. So let's, let's start off a little bit uh, I, with the history of uh, 
donors, uh, women donors, you know, men donors. Let's talk a little bit about the history over a period of, uh, of time. Tell us how it's changed or how it developed. Oh, big time change. Well, um, as I said, in the earlier times, we can really trace giving uh, by women, primarily inherited wealth and their emphasis on giving is with women and children. That's the that has been been the key. So we can look at, for example, Mary Lyons, who uh, was a founder of Mount Holyoke College. She actually raised the money uh, to establish the college, and then in 1871, Sophia Smith founded Smith College, and hers was through inheritance. Her gift of a little over almost $400,000 back then is now worth almost $7.9 million, uh, would be the equivalent of that gift today. Uh, of course, when you talk about the Melinda Gates and the Kinsey Scotts, that's not much, but in general, it's a good amount. Um, and some other colleges were named um, for women who were widowed and inherited the money and gave it to other colleges. Uh, one of the things that I think is also important is that Black women have been recognized also in terms of their philanthropy. So um, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there was this wonderful woman named Madam C.J. Walker, who was the first self-made woman millionaire uh, through what she developed as hair products for black women. And she became a really generous donor to the black YWCA and NCAA. And then I think, you know, we hit the sixties with the women's um, movement and there were a lots of, you know, things that were happening in the sixties. We began to look at women in the economy, women in job security, women who were working, but working and working at home. So I think that began to, Call you know to to come together about women. I mean, if you could imagine that, literally in the early 1960s, it wasn't until then that women could actually apply for her own credit card. That I think is pretty amazing. Mm. Anyway, um, mm. so we get then to the 19 1990s, and there were some really uh, books that were written, uh, one on women donors. Uh, women as Donors, Women as Philanthropists, uh, was written in 1990s uh, by uh, Abby von Schlegel and Joan Fisher. And then we have another book on cultures of giving, where, uh, again, Joan Fisher and uh, Susan Ostrin also uh, were part of that book. So we began seeing some information coming out about research and things that were happening. Um, and some of the, and then some of the things that I think were founded then is that women really base their giving on their own personal experience and that they want to know that the organization before they really commit to any sizable amount of money. Um, and once they do, they want to be engaged they want to share their talent and they want to share their leadership. So it's sort of an evolution um, in working there. Um, I think then when you get to uh, things that are happening today, um, I obviously we want to look at people like Melinda Gates, uh, and I think she represents a huge part of what it is about women donors. And she established, I think it was just I don't know, maybe four years ago, uh, called Maverick Collective. Now the word collective is really key here because the mission she had was to develop. Um, global communities with strategic philanthropists and informed advocates who really wanted to use their both their intellectual uh, 
abilities as well as her financial. And so she asked a group of women to give a million dollars over, you know, over a couple of years. However, what they also had to do was to invest in a very, in different organizations around the world that were focusing on women and girls, and they needed to find solutions and be able to help execute it. So what we have here is women giving money, but also being deeply engaged. And that is really key, I think. Um, And, you know, smartly, the collective really found, you know, three traits that, again, are pretty constant about women donors. One is they want their talent to be used. They want to share their talent. They want to really be engaged in the enterprise and make sure that it's really meaningful to what they want. And then the wealth of donors in finding solutions. And um, in this case, this is obviously enormous wealth. But there's also wealth in organizations now. Today, we have things like family, uh, women's circles, which I can talk about. Um, these are, real quick, these are groups of women who come together. They, um, you know, they will each agree on a dollar amount. That's the threshold. You don't give any more. You don't give any less, which I think is the thing about women is that we're not really interested in the recognition part. We want to do this as a collective. So for example, some of the ones I know here in my community of Rochester, New York, um, the one that's in particular that stands out is um, I think there's now probably 40 or 50 women started out with about 10 giving a thousand dollars every year. And so they did that. And then with that pool of money, they asked nonprofit organizations to apply based on the compatibility of mission. And um, as a matter of fact, they even have a group of teenagers that they give money to. So they're teaching, they're teaching teenage girls about philanthropy, which I think is also a, a great thing. But again, it's that collective power that we're talking about. Um, the last, to find it, end up this in this part, Mackenzie um, Scott, as in the past Amazon, she actually co-started it with her husband at the time. Um, she distributed roughly 1.7 million back in July. And then in November last year, she um, distributed funds of $6 billion. Um, And actually here in Rochester, New York, our United Way got 20 million of that. Um, She brought together a group of advisors, again, that collective part, recognizing where funds were needed uh, she gave real boosts to like historically black colleges. So she was very particular about where she was giving it. And she sought the advice of of, uh, of people in the nonprofit world to help her on that. There is a giving pledge that you might be familiar with that Warren Buffett started with the Melinda and Bill Gates a number of years ago, pledging to give away, you know, 50% of their wealth. Um, and so Mackenzie Scott she has committed to $36 billion of her wealth. Um, and she's really hoping to, I think she's got, I think she's worth now about 57 or 58 billion. And she's really hoping that she gets rid of all of it. Um, what I love about Mackenzie Scott, um, there's a quote I read about her when she was doing this. And it reads that there is no question in my mind that anyone's personal wealth is a product of a collective effort and of social structures which present opportunities to some people and obstacles to countless others. And so I think that 
demonstrates very clearly the difference in women and 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 their contributions. So those are some of the things that. Yeah, let's. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm seeing lots of. Uh, I, I am seeing, you know, certainly uh, some some themes here, mm-hmm. um, but I want to be very uh, succinct and direct with uh, what we can take out of all this. So let's do this. Let's compare uh, men donors. Uh, 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 male donors to female donors and uh, the top three things that are different between the two. Um, Sure. Men want to be recognized. Women don't. Mm -hmm. That's probably number one. one. Tons of examples on that one. Men are uh, competitive. Women want to do it collectively. Um, Men are, um, you know, they, they do it, they do it, I guess I should say, they do it for the recognition and not for the sort of the, from the heart, I guess I would say. And I, so I think for me, those are probably two of the more significant differences. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the, when you are dealing with what, uh, you know, large uh, female donors, how does the interaction play if they're married uh, how does that come into play differently than if a male is the donor? Okay. Oh, it's the male. Okay. Let me see if I can answer it this way. Uh, historically, men managed the wealth, made, you know, made the, made the wealth, managed it, and the women weren't even involved. I think probably in the last 25 or so years, I mean, there, there were the exceptions, you know, like I mentioned about Sophia Smith and some others. Um, however, once we got into the, as we got through the sixties and seventies and we got into the eighties, women were in job, in careers that were, um, comparable to men. Um, you know, they were in the corporate world, in the finance world, uh, senior VPs. I mean, I could, you know, having worked at Smith college, I could rattle off some of the women that are been head of C, you know, have been CEOs of Fortune 100 and 500 companies. So there, there's been a b- big shift in that women are earning their money as well. Um, what I can also tell you is I can remember the 25th reunion at Smith College a number of years ago. It was with the class of 1968. And the alumna, her class raised, I, don't, I think it was like about $600,000, $700,000, which was great. Well, she stood up at our at our leadership workshop after the reunion and she said, here's what we raised. Now, my husband also celebrated his reunion 25th at Harvard and they raised, you know, I don't, I don't know how many millions of dollars it was, but that came about. So she, her mantra was about parity. Is that yeah. we need to be given equally. We need to we are a household, whether we both work outside of the house or in the house, we're both, you know, we're, we're both together. Um, and I think one example I can share with you is that a university that I'm familiar with, uh, the chair of the board uh, was a, actually, it was a man who's the CEO of a fortune 100 and they were planning a campaign. And so it was all moving forward and getting to a good place in terms of the organization. So what, the typical procedure is that 
the chair of the board is asked by the president if he or she would then, in this case, he lead the campaign and talk about a large gift so that then the whoever that person is can go and talk with the board and talk about join me in this effort. So the first part, though, had to happen. So the vice president had told me that he was having lunch the next day with this individual and that he thought he was going to close it because I kept bugging him about closing this, closing this. Well, afterwards, he came back from lunch and I said, so how did it go? He said, well, it was very interesting. And I said, "Mm, okay, what does that mean? He said, well, he got home and he talked to his wife about wanting to make this gift. And she said, we can only if we make the same same gift at the same level to my college, which is a women's college. So that sort of struck a chord and, you know, he went back. And so he told the VP, he said, look, we're going to work this out. I'm just, we just have to now talk and have a conversation. And so I think, so I think that people are, men are recognizing they can't just go out and make these decisions on their own. And, uh, That's and obvious. Yeah. yeah. So I point yeah. to those places as um, instances of um, women donors and giving and, and men doing the same thing. So is there statistics to show that um, that the uh, that men are donating more money to nonprofits or are women donating more money to nonprofits, regardless if the you know, the lead, the woman's the lead, it, it's family money, but uh, is, is, are women becoming the major, are they, or are they the major donors to uh, nonprofits? Well, I can't speak specifically on nonprofits, but I'm assuming that that's what this is about. One of the facts that I can share is that right now, today, the IRS reports that women, 60%, of the wealth in this country is held by women. Um, And that McKinsey reports that by 2030, women are expected to control as much as $30 trillion that's going to be passed along, you know, boomers. Um, Women already are at 43% of the nation's top wealth holders. And that's expected to grow in the decade by, you know, like another 12 or something. So in general, I would say that um, women are already on that trajectory. And in some cases ahead of, I mean, if you're 60% of the wealth today, you're more than what the men are in that case. And, you know, we have to recognize too, that men typically die younger. uh, And so the woman may inherit it, but she also very well may have it her own. Um, You know, those, those kinds of things have to be considered. But in general, um, it is. When we look at um, who influences and controls the financial assets in households, um, it's women are at 85%. Women are making more decisions today on buying cars, electronics, not only the food, but these other, you know, these other organ, you know, the cons- the um, corporations, they've, they've picked this up real quick and their marketing is directed towards women because that is the one that's, it's the woman that's coming in to buy the car. It's the woman or she's making the decision. It's, you know, so these organizations are, you know, quickly realize that their market is changed considerably. So uh, 
if I was a fundraising, if I was head of fundraising, which I really don't have a lot of experience in, uh-huh. uh, I do think I, I do think I could be great at it, but I um, yeah, but, uh, but if I was head of fundraising for a nonprofit, based on what you were telling me and tell me if I'm wrong, uh-huh. I would want to go after uh, women donors because I get the added benefit of the collective. And yes. that is, you oh, know, they're going to tell, they're going to bring in other donors because that's, you know, uh, the, that's uh, how we're fe- yeah. The, yeah. Females are much more, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of friends. They're more social. Uh, maybe there's even more peer pressure that's involved in, in, in giving them, you know, setting the example for others to, to donate. Uh, so if I was looking for a strategy, I'd say is, okay, let me go find where all the, uh, big women donors are hanging out. Yes. And what's important about that is, is you're right that women want to do this, not only on their own, you know, some will make a gift and some will do a challenge, which I'll I'll get back to in a second. What they also then do, as you said, they invite their network as well uh, because they want the collective part. Men will compete on, you know, who gives the biggest money. I mean, I've, I've been on the phone with a um, a man who was a you know at one of the colleges where I worked, and I called him because he was supposed to do a certain number of asks, and he got on the I was I called him before he got on the floor at nine. I I knew to do that, and so I asked him if he'd make this one ask yet and completed it, and he goes, "Oh my gosh!" And so he literally screams across the floor at another alumnus and says, "Are you going to do the ten thousand for the annual fund?" Okay, but you got to give to the you know other organization. So I mean, that's how that it was a transaction. Yeah, yeah. And what about, um, really different. Is there a is there a negative side of um, and I don't know if that's the right word. To be honest with you, is there a negative side with dealing with um, more women uh, going after women donors than male donors? I mean, do do male donors make you know? quicker decisions do they and i'm not being sexist i don't know yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. i i mean uh our our males uh, do they make quicker decisions do they make you know i think we're, we're kind of saying they don't make bigger um uh donations uh but what what is the negative of focusing your efforts on uh more women well i think you can manage both i mean that's what we have to do um, I mean, because there are men who really do think through. I mean, I was just at a, in a meeting yesterday and was asked to come over and talk with someone at, a, at the table. And this is a large donor here in uh, in the Rochester area. And he is wanting to invest in this nonprofit. He's already committed 100000 Now he's wanting to look at some bigger. There's been a progression of these meetings. Um, he knows what he wants to do. He wants to make sure he sees how it's going to happen, et cetera. And so I think there are, I don't want this to sound like there aren't thoughtful men that go through this process. There are. Um, And I think in general, what I would say that for you in fundraising is that if you were in an organization, you're going to have both men and women. Neither of them need to be negated. They both need to be. The cultivation of them will be different. Now, one of the things that does happen very much more frequently uh, 
than even, you know, when I was at Smith in the 1990s, is that women and men will make the decisions. What I mentioned earlier about that trustee, that was back in the late 1980s. I suspect that if that had to happen all over again, he would never have not talked with his wife sooner. So I think that evolution is coming. So I think that they both need to be. I think it was a couple that needs to start at the very beginning. He may be the graduate of the institution. He may be the board member, but do not think that for one minute, she's not going to have an impact. Uh, and so, so, I, so try to engage, right? Try to engage them both in the nonprofit, yes, even if one of the other ones approached you first, right? Or, right. or you, you know, you got to want the other one first. Is it, uh, is it better to, uh, is it better to uh, is it better to lead if you're dealing with a male a donor with the idea that they don't they don't have to be that involved, um, whereas with a with a woman donor you want to entice them more by saying we'd really love for you to be more involved because that's something that they would want. Yes. You you really do have to do that. I mean, you know, some of the strategic questions I think are important to recognize as well. And so I think with man or woman, um, you know, questions about, you know, why did you make your first gift? What's your legacy going to be? I mean, those are going to be some questions that get at these um, answers for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the organizations that you already provide gifts to, what are they doing to steward your gift and what makes what how does that impact your giving? So, I mean, those should be asked of men and women. I yeah, think yeah. what to find is that women are going to want to say, well, I'd want to learn more about the organization. Um, I think some of the men would probably say less of that. I think that men, um, especially the, if they're giving at a large level, have an expectation that they'll probably be on the board of trustees or something of the organization where I think women don't have that expectation. They want to be engaged first, but as they're engaged and learn more and, and they have the capacity to increase their giving, we darn well better find out what, what they're interested in uh, and talk about, you know, where do they see their, you know, giving? I mean, again, working at women's colleges, one of the questions I would always ask an alumna when I was getting to know them was their legacy. Where, where do you see your legacy? And, you know, I can tell you that multiple times women would say, well, I got a scholarship to Smith and I've been giving back. And I and so she talked about how that changed her life. And so, you know, we talk about these strategic questions of the four rights, you know, getting at the right um, program, what they want to support, whether it's on a campus or elsewhere. But what is it they want to support? What motivates them? And then it's the right time when the right time is to ask and you have questions that you ask around that and is it the right amount and is it the right solicitor? So those four, what we call the four rights are extremely critical in understanding in general. But I think more specifically, I would say that those are the things that with women, they're going to really want to have, you know, that, or they're going to want to tell you that I think men is a solicitor. Is solicitor um, the person asking? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So yes. depends on the level. So. Yes, exactly. Uh, the higher the level, the 
you know, it tends to then obviously be the president or the CEO of the, of the organization. So, so in general, am I right in saying with, with in general, I, I, you know, yes. I'm, I'm right. sure we're probing, we're not jumping right into these things, you know, mm-hmm. with males, it's about legacy with women. It's about being a part of something. Uh, I would say that's pretty good. On the men, I don't know so much that they think it as legacy. Um, I, I can, for example, tell you of a donor in our community that most everything that he gives to, he has had, is his name on every building. And yeah, you know that that tells you. Well, that's that's kind of that to me that's legacy because they once legacy. he dies, well, he'll... legacy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I no. mean, on I, the other I, hand, yeah. I, if I had a couple million dollars to give, I would never, ever in a million years want my name. Yeah, you wouldn't want. You wouldn't oh. want to sh- show I off. I might give so it to my parents, or I might, you know, whatever. But I would never yeah. want my name on it. And I don't yeah, think yeah. I'm that. As a matter of fact, that's one of the challenges with women. You know, again, working with women donors, they're not as typical about that as men are, and so. Um, they oftentimes with large gifts will want to remain anonymous. For those of us in the industry, we've had to work really, really hard to help them understand that by putting their name there, it's important because that's a role model. Um, I can remember again, that I worked with, this was back just even in the annual fund. Um, You know, she'd been giving 10,000. We taught and I, you know, I asked her, she would consider 25. And she said, I will, but I want to make sure there's three other, three or four other women that are going to do the same thing. I don't want to be the only one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about um, the way you do you, the way you ask for the money, um, so to speak, uh, from males versus females? Is it different? It, yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's been different. I think in general for men has been, you know, I mean, it depends on the level of, of money. I mean, you're not going to sit down and ask a, a man to give you with your first or, or second visit to give a $25 million gift to something. You know, there should be a track record and those kinds of things. So that history is there. Um, and with women, they'll invest smaller until they really get to know the organization, till they are... F- they're sharing their talent, et cetera. Uh, and where organizations often miss is that, I mean, the percentage of women board members in nonprofits and trusteeship, for example, I mean, it's still well, well, well under 50%. I think it, I haven't looked at it now in a few years. I'm not even sure it's much over 25% or 30 of, and, of women on boards. On boards. And that is where huh? that is where institutions need to do a lot more to get more women on those boards. Because again, they and, and why, so why is that? Why isn't I just think it I just if I was running a nonprofit. I, I mean, I am on a nonprofit, but it's 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 a different, it's not the type that we're talking about. Um, we're not soliciting donations. Um uh, the, you know, I just, I th- I would think it's easier to get a hold of women to, uh, ask them to make a donation than it is to get a hold of males. Uh, I, I, again, the difference is going to be in the engagement. That is really the key. 
is that the women want, you know, they want to give their money because they really do want to support things that matter in the world. I mean, that, that really is a huge motivation for them. And they want to see how your organization does what it says it does. They, you know, they might volunteer for something, I don't know, an event or whatever, but as they see things and get to know the organization, get to know the people and they meet the people who are, they have an opportunity to meet the people that are benefiting from it. And as they do that, and once they feel that comfort level, I mean, I know women have gone from like, you know, giving maybe a thousand a year to, you know, jump to five and soon at 10. Um, in a, and, and this is more probably for the annual fund now than major, major gifts. Yeah. Um, and so I think that speaks to a part of it. Um, I think that, you know, the, the vast majority of boards are still dominated by white men. And um, the CEOs, I mean, now we're finally getting a lot more, you know, the uh, General Electric, I mean, uh, General Motors, you know, there, there are more women now in these positions, but they pale to the overall number. I mean, what, yeah. five, 10 versus 500. Um, yeah. And the same with boards. Now those are profit boards, but with nonprofits, I mean, you know, See, for me, the fun part was working at women's colleges because I I left a co-ed institution and then went to a women's college and a women's college. When I left the co-ed institution, I wasn't dealing with competition. I wasn't dealing with, you know, these, you know, things that weren't so fun. Um, And so the board members were predominantly women. As a matter of fact, they had to really think through who are some men that we could, you know, mostly yeah. ended up, yeah. well, it ended up usually at, at women's colleges. It usually ends up being parents of yeah. you know, a, a, an under an undergraduate daughter or something like yeah. that. Um, and so I, you know, I had the privilege of seeing women in leadership. You know, I'll never forget when I walked in the president's council first time and I was looking around the room and I thought, oh, my gosh. I've never sat in a president's council with all women. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I would just think that it's a huge missed opportunity. If you are, if you are running a, um, a nonprofit that it's cause is a little bit more geared toward, uh, women causes and you're not soliciting, uh, men as donors or be on the board, because I'm going to tell you, I, from my own personal perspective, if you get a progressive male, uh, we all know that w- that women are getting the the bad end of the stick, and mm-hmm. and by the way, that's what nonprofits are about. Yeah. They're about giving help to those who mm-hmm. are 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 not benefiting, and uh, and uh, just take women out of the equation, and you can you can say that about every nonprofit cause that's out there. Mm-hmm. that is trying to help something that's being overlooked or, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I think that there's a, um, you know, sometimes we go for, I think we all go for the low, low hanging fruit, right? It's if you, if you have, if you have a woman's cause, well, you, you, you just naturally think and, and you're introduced to a lot of uh, women because they, it's easy to talk to them about the cause, mm-hmm. but, you know, Going for the the the, the male ones uh, might be very fruitful as well. Yeah. So yeah. So we 
Okay. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the other part of it is, as you think about nonprofits, I can think about those in our community here, and the vast majority of them are service-oriented to women and people of color and girls. So it's a natural come, you know, because they've been left behind. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is how this can begin to develop. Yeah. Yeah, There's not a nonprofit to help males get better CEO jobs, you know, (laughs) you know, know, I mean, honestly, I mean, I, 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 you know, there are, Nonprofit organizations that do work with men. I'm not suggesting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. We can talk about you know some gay lesbian organizations that, sure. uh, you know, the everything. Um, but in general, I think that much of the purpose of many of the nonprofits tend to be towards those who've been left behind, and yeah. those who have been left behind are women and people of color, and you know those things. So, yeah. Well, listen, it's good stuff. Like, you know, Cynthia, you and I could sit here and talk about this topic for two hours, right? Three hours. And I would find it extremely interesting. Um, uh, unfortunately, we would, we would lose, we potentially would lose our listeners. But um, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, you know, I, uh, you know, uh, really great topic. I, I would like to thank so very much Cynthia Woolbright from the Woolbright Group for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app. And to help us get the word out, the Nonprofit MBA podcast has become very popular. I'm very proud of the work that we're doing here. And if you liked, uh, if you if your nonprofit's interested in looking into a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862 207 4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Cynthia, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, um, how would they go about doing that? Well, they can Google us at Woolbright Group. Um, That will be a way to get to our website and see more about our services. I can certainly tell people that, um, you know, my phone number is actually, I think it's on our website, but it is 585-727- one one four three. Great, and and your firm uh, does it have a specialty, or are you kind of working as a nonprofit consultant for, in many areas? Um, I I work in, you know, I come from working in higher ed, so that has been my market for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I've been away now. I mean, I'm 18 years into this, and so and now, particularly since I'm in the Rochester area, a lot of the organizations that are local are the ones I work with, regardless of the organization, I can assure you that the women in terms of as donors and philanthropists always comes up. I always want to make sure that they're maximizing their ability, uh, you know, to continue their mission by, you know, not overlooking. And, and so many times it's your, you know, it's your own policies, it's your own bias that you have to make your staff fundraise the fundraiser that we could make you want to make sure that they're um, recognizing some of those kinds of things and that the organization has barriers set up. Um, and so those kinds of things need to be, dis- you know, like need to be addressed uh, regardless of the organization. Um, so it's a yeah. part. Of it. mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, learned a lot today. I really appreciate it. And, yeah. and for our listeners, uh, for our listeners out there, I just want to thank you all for making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, we are certainly all 
connected and we all need to do our part and uh, certainly it starts with me. So uh, every day I think about what else can I do to make the world a better place? I hope you do too. I know you do. So uh, everybody have a fantastic day and please stay safe.